listeners, and welcome to God Jabril, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things, fish and beer. I am the Lizza. And I am the kid. We're and back. That was, <laughs> that was Santos from New Year's, correct? Correct. Um, so night one or night two? They played at night one, I that think. That was night one. Yeah, they blew the load. They blew it really, really. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> First episode, 2020. Yes. Hello, 2020. Goodbye, 2019. Starting fresh. Yeah, it's been a while. Been a hot minute, all the way since back to summer tour. I think we haven't done an episode since. We had all of fall tour and all of New Year's run. And yeah. we're creeping up. We're two weeks away from Riviera Maya. So yep. We're hot in it. We're in the thick of it. Yup, yup, yup. Well, let's start off by talking about why we haven't done an episode in like four months, <laughs> five months, six months. <laughs> All right, I'll take it off. Uh, the reason we or the reason we did because of you. So you yeah, should, yeah, you yeah. Uh, the reason we haven't done an episode in months is because for the first time um, ever in my life, I went on a fish blackout. Fish blackout, just blackout in general. I stopped listening to fish. I stopped reading about fish. I just completely, since we decided not to not go on fall tour, I was like, I'm going to take a break. Um, Why did you decide to do that? I was going to say the idea came from a new strategy that I've implemented with watching movies. So when a with movie movies that are coming out, correct, they're being if, released. If I want to see a movie in theaters, I now only watch the teaser trailer. Teaser trailer generally right. like flashes the title of the movie and just walks away. Yeah, yeah, it's literally like 10 seconds. Yeah, 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 correct. And what I found is that when I do that with movies, um, I've only been doing it for about a year. Um, it started with, actually, it's been over a year because it started with uh, The Force Awakens, the first of the new three Star Wars. Right, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a couple been years like three ago. years. So, so yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been doing it for a while. Um. What I found going into that movie is that because I went in blind, not knowing anything, I actually enjoyed the movie a lot. And I feel like a lot of people's first impressions of The Force Awakens was like, oh. Yeah, so, but this is really interesting, though, because doing that with movies helps you enjoy the experience more. Like, I just love fish and I love to eat, breathe, and shit fish. Yeah. So, like, not exposing myself to them for me personally has zero effect on when I how often and when I get to see them. So the because it's going to be a continuous thing, not just a one-time thing like a movie, seeing right. a movie live. Well, the interesting uh, thing about this is that the inspiration came from rewatching Between Me and My Mind. Huh. Um, you rewatched that? I rewatched that. Yeah. When without me? Uh, this was like way back when I decided. I've always wanted to watch that. And you're like, I'll never rewatch that. <laughs> There's a part of it where Trey is talking about how in 3.0, the agreement that they made to each, all the bandmates in the band made to each other was that this time they were going to have a better work-life balance around fish. And they weren't going to tour as much. They weren't going to play as many shows. They were going to pull back. Um, as their band, obviously Tab and the side projects Vita Blue. Yeah, they all have their own side projects. Um, but that makes sense. I mean, do you think that's come? And do, well, I think that's come across in the shows I've seen them play. Is they're enjoying it more and they're having more fun with it. Yeah, there's. I mean, it, it's the classic. You know, you've too much of a good thing is a bad thing. 
Yeah, um, of course. And to exp- you know, to to flesh that out is you know, before I went on this blackout, I was listening to Fish on the daily. They were probably the only music I was listening to on my uh, on my iPhone. Um, I was constantly reading about fish and researching fish for this podcast. Um, and it was just, it was getting to a point that you and J3PO started joking with me. They were like, you're, you both were like, you're not even a fish fan anymore. You're a tab fan who just well, also goes to your fish. Joke. Yeah, that's your joke. Right. Cause I, Which is true. I, now. I, I, I do like tab more than I like fish. Um, and my hopes out of doing this whole blackout thing was to see how uh, it affected my live show experience. So for the New right, Year's so night, first of all, exposure was like the key one. You wanted to see if you limited your exposure, if you would have a better time. Like, so you weren't so worn out and burnt out on it. It's also, but then secondly, obviously because it's fish, you didn't know what was happening. You didn't know what was happening. So you didn't know that all four to- all full tour, they didn't play repeats. And yeah. you only went to the New Year's Eve show, which is four of four. So you didn't know or what happened four, shows yeah. one through three. Correct. So you didn't know what songs you were going to get. You didn't know what was off the table. You didn't know anything. Right. That's, a, that's interesting to me. It, was an, <laughs> it, it honestly was an extremely interesting experience. I can, I can say that I obviously can't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> for so many different reasons. Um, I missed it. I missed listening to Fish. Uh, it was, I actually got really hard uh, leading up to the show that I was going to, the New Year's run. Yeah. Uh, the New Year's show, because... Because everyone around you is already going to shows. Part, well, part I was of, going to shows. Well, everyone yeah. Was going to shows. Not even that. It's just, you know, part of amping myself up is I go back and I start listening to previous New Year's runs that I've been to. And yeah. I start going, oh, man, I remember this moment. Oh, I remember this moment. Oh, man, this was great. Um, and it took a lot of cognitive effort to be telling myself, Hey, don't just go to fish on your phone. Don't just go to relisten. Stop. Like you're not supposed to be doing this. So, so I don't do, I just want to interrupt. Quickly. I don't do any social media at all. Right. My only like fish exposure is like when I go to a news feed, they'll be like stories for you. And it'll, if it's a jam base, if it's a jam base article about fish, it'll pull it up for me. So that's like the one thing I get. But as, as after a show has happened, I get live fish emails of the show the next day. And if you open the email in the body of the email, it'll list the set list. So it's really hard for me not to see what was played the night before at certain shows. So and, and to clarify, I did get a couple spoilers. One of them was like right before the New Year's run started. It was on For the Love of Fish the Facebook group that I started, someone said yeah, that you they, have your own bloody Facebook group. And it was hard. I had sake. to basically stop checking it. I had <laughs> yeah. to like trust the other moderator. I mean, I was going to say you have moderators, but yeah, still. Like, to run the group because I, I just couldn't. I could not. I couldn't find a filter for my web browsers that would accurately like stop it from showing up Yeah, on it's my like screen. everywhere. It's it everywhere. Was, it was so difficult. But again, that made it so interesting to be having that experience because I had to try to stay away from fish. And I think when the show happened, I mean, if we look at the new year's set list, by no means is it like a top 10 for me, by no means is it a top, like it's not a top five either. It's really an average show, but because new year's Eve, the 31st. Correct. But yeah. because I knew nothing, yeah. And I expected nothing. Yeah. yeah Every yeah. song they played, I was like, yeah, yeah. And, there, you know, certain songs that I get, I've 
Let's. Do you have the set list pulled up for New Year's? Uh, yes, I can pull it up. Well, one of the interesting things I'll say is you know this to be true about me. I have never been to a fish run where I haven't gotten free. First time. Yeah, well, I mean, they played free. I you mean, just I wasn't weren't there. there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know <laughs> that they did. That they I actually really it. enjoyed this. I enjoyed this free. I hate that song. I straight up hate that song. But I really enjoyed. So part them of this it. blackout <laughs> and part of my my excitement for this podcast episode is that even up until this point, I have not listened to the other fall tours. Oh, you should. And I haven't you listened to go New Year's back. Yet. Yeah, you need to at least go I back. I needed and to do to this New podcast Year's. first to share the experience, and right, now I get to right, go right, in right. and go like see everything and do everything. And in yeah. my opinion, night two was the best night. And I thought it was going to be night three that was their best night because A, that's the night before the night, which is what everybody talks about when it's a New Year's run. B, that night was to the day their 30th anniversary of playing Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So I thought you that was going to be something special. Yeah, you thought- and it was my least favorite of all the nights, <laughs> to be honest with you. But that's fish. I mean, that's fish. And I liked night two. If you go back and look at night two set, two i would dare you or whatever i would really uh, tell you to take the opposite argument with me and say that was not as close to the best second set ever you've ever seen see and i i, I can't and even it, extrapolate it, on that be, or understand so, it because i don't know what being there was yeah. amazing and then even if you there's so many times where I'm in a show and I'm like, that was fucking sick. And then I go back and I look at it on paper and I was like, eh, it doesn't really look that good. But this is one of the only times ever since I've been a fish fan and even before I've been a fish fan where I can be like, I was at that show and I had a sick time and that set was sick. And then the next day I went back and I looked at it and I was like, on paper, it still looks like a perfect set. You know what's, in- it's fucking what's, good. what's interesting is that normally via my many Facebook fish groups i'm able to watch the simulcast for free um huh. just someone ends up sharing their link or whatever it's really awesome the community is great about that um and it was really hard watching my best friends all going to go see fish and not even tap into that which i knew i had access to this was like a huge social experiment for me because i had to go to you and j3po and be like you're not allowed to talk about fish around me I mean, you guys want to talk about it, and we you guys didn't. didn't. It was great, but that's what I'm saying. It was, it was tough. Again, I had to try to avoid it. And I, I, also, think- I also don't really talk much about fish shows after they happen, to be, to per, like, personally, to be honest, because for me, it's all about like, being in the experience. Right. I mean, this is the only sort of like, recap I do, like post more. This is the only type of like, talk, like, conversation I have about fish shows. Right. I mean, again, it's, it was a great experience. I'm glad I did it. It's not sustainable. Do you regret not going to those other three shows? Yes. I mean, I... So not, even knowing, have, so not even knowing what they have played yet, you still regret just not going, being a part of those three yeah, shows and that it's, experience. It's, honestly, I think the reason why I started pulling back on runs and I was going even, you know, summer tour going to a couple, like we went to the the stretch that we went to, but I think I was just burnt out. I had completely burned my fish brain out. And I was just like, I I also think that my fish friend base is larger than yours. And that's why it's like easier for me to like go to 
show after show after show, especially during one run, and to have very different experiences with very different people. Well, that's unique to your experience as well. And I think you and I have offline talked about this a lot. You know, even as you're in my friendship developed and then our relationship and then everything it was just like you always had this unique experience the first set of uh new year shows you went to you went by yourself to miami Correct. It's, it's an amazing unique experience that you know you telling me about like sneaking into a uh executive booth with a bunch of friends and like yeah. hanging out on the beach and talking to people about fish like you got to do every show i've ever been to you or j3po has been at I've never, I think I've been to one yeah, show ever. Yeah, but that's ever. your choice. It's, and it's, it's not like that I it's went, a choice. I it's went just... to the entire New Year's run and the only, I went, I physically went with friends to every single show, but every single, uh, with the exception of two, so two out of two, I was sitting in a section by myself and I made friends within the, that section. But that's my, what I'm saying. <laughs> if you go with someone, even the one show I've ever been to without you or J3PO, you guys were in Madison Square Gardens. I was just in a different section with a buddy of ours needles and so but you didn't go by yourself even that's you what i'm saying there i completely still have by never yourself. had a unique solo but why fish experience. you can make that so happen for yourself this is what i'm saying this is the point first of all i don't that think that should I'd be ever your next experiment without with you yeah that's what i was gonna say i don't think i'd ever want to go to a fish show without you you know now that's that you weird. know we're in a relationship and we both love fish like i don't want to i went to three shows with, without you and you had no problem doing it <laughs> yeah but that's my point <laughs> I'm it's saying, easy to do. I'm not saying that I'm saying there's nothing holding you back from making that happen. I just it's especially again, since, again, like I just said, I have a larger fish friend community. I could go to the same show you're at with friends of my own and you could go by yourself and sit in your a section by yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think I, in... I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, real, truthfully, the best experiences I've ever had in my life have been when I've been by myself. Well, the reason why <laughs> I'm transitioning into this topic is because I now have had this outside perspective this time to kind of uh, take a reprieve and like say, oh, reprieve. These are, reprieve. These are the things that I now know that I want to do. It's like anything so, in life. Be, doing it by yourself, being surrounded by people, is you can choose to interact with those people as often or as little as you want. You can go to the bathroom whenever you want. You can go get a beer whenever you want. You can literally do whatever you want whenever you want, and you don't have to check in with anybody. Yeah, so every show I've ever That's been fun. to since 2010. That's li- it's very liberating. 2010, I start seeing fish. J3PO is with me at every single show. So even then, even when it's just the two of us and him and I would just go, his wife would stay or whatever, he's still there. So again, it's still part of the experience. And yeah, I've gone with other people. I've brought like one of my best friends to see fish. But that's fun too. Like, so for night two of, of MSG, I was in the 400s by myself. I had one ticket by myself, but I still went with two other friends and we got in together. We drank beers together on their level. You know what I mean? Like we, we hung out for a while before we each went to our individual seats. And right. the irony of that is I was literally the section above them in the 400s. So I would look down and wave at them. But it's, it, there's still a social aspect to it with your friends. It's just I was not experiencing the show in real time next to them. Right. And for someone like J3PO, who is our fan, who's probably the biggest fish fan I've ever met, it's kind of nice sometimes to get a break from that because you don't necessarily always want somebody in your ear telling you things that you don't want to hear at the moment. In the moment, you just want to be having a good time and having a good experience. I and mean, there's, a, there's a beauty to that. As so well. I want to transition this over to uh, we went to uh, J3PO's Super Bowl party, which he does every year. 
and we got to hang out with all of our friends and one of our friends brought uh his new roommate who she is a fish fan and i started talking to her at the very beginning when she got there i walked right up to her and i was like oh uh i've been told that you're the person i get to talk to about fish and she was like, oh, yeah, I mean, we just started talking. And what I come to find out is that she's just a very casual fish fan. She just goes to shows because she likes it. She doesn't read, you know, anything about fish. She doesn't research. She doesn't go back and listen to old shows. She just goes to a fish show the way someone would go see any other band. She's a social smoker. She's a social <laughs> fish fan. A social smoker, yeah, yeah, sure. You only go out and smoke when you want to go out and hang out with other people, right? So she does it for the the experience, one hundred percent for the experience, and not 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 for the music. I'm not going to say zero percent for the music, but she does it as something fun to go and do, right? But then you have the juxtaposition of having J three PO be there, who's a ride or die, go hard fish fan. I know everything about. He's a walking fucking encyclopedia for fish. It's insane. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean. That's true. What that reminded me of is that, you know, you get this, it's so, there's so many commonalities with fish mm-hmm. that people get to enjoy. You know, when you're in the stadium, in, in, in a stadium like Madison Square Gardens, I think one of the easy um, things to do is to turn to the person next to you and just drive up a conversation. Oh, how many shows have you been to? Oh, what'd you do in summer tour? And you just start talking to a random See, stranger. I never ask people that. See, again, like I, I like to think I'm pretty like socially woke. And like I try to like match my match my like energy and like match like myself to like the people around me. So again, like I ended up talking about football with somebody I was sitting with on night three. I ended up talking most most of the time I ended up talking about where people are from. Like it's not about fish. Because that's the one thing you already know about each other. The only thing you know about each other, strangers, is that they like fish, yeah, and that's why they're there. So for me, it's more like f- filling out like who they are and learning other things about them rather than just that they like fish. And right. then it gets to the point where it's like, well, you know, how long have you been into fish? And then you have some frame of reference for where they're at with their fish career and their fish love. But for me, it's more important to get to know the people rather than just the fact that they like fish which you already know well being social for a lot of people drives a lot of anxieties because you know they're strangers and but everyone's like on so, drugs right, but so I your mean, fucking not normal if, not anxieties are sh- down if you go into the that's show that's what makes it so great every, but my, my <laughs> simple point is is that it's an easy icebreaker to just start talking about fish to lead you into hey where are you actually from where are you coming from like whatever. i think that's an easy icebreaker in real life when you're not at a show I think it's both. I think when you're at a show, um, my point is I think it's more interesting to get to know somebody outside of fish. Yeah. I mean, again, I agree. I just think, again, when you're at a fish show and everybody's there, you just go, hey, man, is this your only show of the run? Like, you've been coming to the run? Like, how you like, and then you start going, oh, yeah, where are you from? You know, it just helps to kind of, you know, get the, get the cog in the machine moving, you know, just start the conversation and warm it up a little bit. But what this uh girl at this party made me realize too is that you know some people don't even subscribe or go even that deep into this stuff so like you're saying the conversation gets to be more general about you know who are you and what kind of brought you to the experience and everything and that's the conversation i end up having with her and she's like yeah i just started going to fish because it's a good time it's a freaking party and like everybody's really nice and that's the thing that she said to me that just kind of sticks that's what gets you that's what got me because you have i mean i there are 
conservative politics wise conservative fish fans and you know liberal fish fans there are rich fish uh, fish fans and there are poor fish fans but there's one like huge common ground that you have and it's that you're all going to go watch this band that you love that people all think that you're in a cult for following and seeing them more than you know five six times and it's it the blackout in and of itself like revitalized my love for fish because I realized how diverse it actually is. Part of going that deep down the rabbit hole for me was starting to only really interact with people who were just as deep down the rabbit hole as I was. Yeah, that's your um that's a faux pas. And that's, that's your mistake. It's a problem. Yeah, it's that's a problem. Your I learned from this experience that it it has to be, you know, I'm a social person. I like talking to people. I, you know, I do it for a living and I really feed on that social experience. I didn't like fish the first time I ever saw them. I hated it. You know, I hated their vocals. I thought they were terrible. I'm a singer. I was like, their vocals are garbage. Why am I seeing this? And then I remember that moment where I turn around and the entire wave of the lawn of uh, Connecticut and uh, New Haven, Connecticut, where I saw my first show, everybody's bouncing their heads at the same. It looked like a freaking metronome yeah. in the crowd. Like it was yeah. swaying back and forth. It was yeah. this huge wave of people. Yeah. And you go, holy shit, this is an energy thing. This is yeah, a vibe. Yeah. This For is sure. a, you For know, sure. at the end of the show, there are the tweakers and the, and the balloon huffers and shit. But everybody's going, holy it's shit. It's a common shared great. experience. Yeah. With like between 25 and 100,000 people. And I think... <laughs> If you want to talk about the hardest thing to describe to someone who doesn't listen to fish, that's the part that's the hardest to describe. Because you say to someone, well, you know, man, it's not really about how good their vocals are. It's about the experience. One that of person my, goes, you're one in a of, fucking cult. One of my favorite things, <laughs> one of my favorite interactions to watch, especially when it's fish related, is to just be the third party between two people and one person is trying to describe to the other person what fish is. Right. So you got and to And actually... I just sit there and I don't say anything because my favorite thing is to hear the way that other people describe this band. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know how I would do it and how I do do it. But it's funny to me to hear the way somebody else talks about it. Yeah, because you get to understand. I think, you know, again communication is something that we just do as humans. We have to communicate, right? So what's interesting to me, like you're saying, when you're watching from an objective perspective and you're not actually in the conversation, is you get to see what feelings are resonating between the two people while they're talking about the same topic in most likely two very different ways. So Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing that I like to refer to fish as a phenomenon because I don't know how to make somebody understand that a band that's now been a band for over 30 years has gone relatively unnoticed by the mainstream because <laughs> like that's a that's a that's a straight up phenomenon well, and then you can get as deep into it as you want like so some of the how they change like festival culture like they literally have so many influences on music and on mainstream culture, but they still remain this like under the fucking like radar group of people that like the average person doesn't know, which is really interesting. 
Well, be, I I don't think they need to be a cog in the machine of mainstream music. No, they're, they they deliberately try not to. But I'm saying like that's no, but very that's, unique. That's it is, unheard it's, of. It's unique in the same way. You know, a lot of people within the community know who you know Twiddle is, and you know all these different little uh, little bands that play all the after shows after Fish and stuff. Yeah, but right? those are little bands. I understand not that. A can you, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the process of making a point. I gotta okay. make it before you can actually. Okay. Uh, the point is, is that you know, there are these little sub tribes of people who will still go see uh, J Rad or Twiddle or these other different types of shows. But even still, it's not the same vibe as Fish. You know, they don't have. You know, J Rad's just playing Grateful Dead shit. Twiddle's got their own stuff, but they don't have 400 songs the way Fish does. Like, they, because they've been doing it for 30 years, they don't care about making another album and it going platinum or gold or making a ton of money. They're not starving musicians anymore. They're all rich, so they don't have to worry about, you know, driving album sales in order to make the record company money so they can get the cash advance they need in order to live as a musician. You know, they're outside of that box. And they only but that's so that's where my conversations typically go is when people find out I'm a fish fan, then they think I'm a jam band fan. Right. And they think I like all other jam bands. And yeah, I don't. I don't I've, either. I've I agree. Pretty much. I could literally live without every other one. And Agreed. I also hate the fact that people refer to fish as a jam band. Yeah. Because there's so much more than that. But again, that's usually where the conversation goes. I'm not a jam band person. I just like fish. And here's why. And please do not refer to fish as just well, a jam because band, again, to, they're more than to, a jam to band. people outside of the community. It's it's hard for them to understand why we all do this thing that we do. So compulsively, what we do as humans is we have to we have to put it in a box. We have to somehow categorize it in order to make, sure. to make sense of sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. So that idea sure. of like jam bands and them doing that just gives them. You know, to a, a non-fish fan, they go, oh, jam band. So they're going to play for a really long time. I'm probably going to get really bored. And the people who like it just really like it. Fish, right? the band, also plays the most diverse musical genres uh, in one band ever. There are no, uh, there's no yeah. other band that I can McGee's? tell you. you no, that McGee's plays <laughs> rock, that plays jazz, that plays country, that plays jam. That play, like, mm. They literally play every genre of music. Right. <laughs> so that's what keeps it interesting, too. I mean, it's just, again, it's, it was a fun experience. Again, I'm never, I'm, I can't, it's not sustainable. I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, but I, are, I do think that there are aspects of the blackout that I'm going to start absorbing into shows going forward. So for a summer tour, I think I'm still going to not research Unless we're doing podcasts about it, which probably will force me to do it. But I will try to stay away from it if I don't have to. Or I'm sorry. I'll try to stay away from it if I can. Yeah. Because it, it helps. It helps to not be like, oh, well, they just played this three shows ago, so I'm probably not going to get that. You start kind of becoming a Debbie Downer about the shows that you haven't even gone to yet. And you're starting to speculate, oh, this is, this is what I think the New Year's gag is going to be. Oh, my God. Like, this is what people are talking about. Yeah, but you know, people think that's fun to do. Yeah, but you know what? The one thing that I did take away from this experience is fuck that shit. I am not doing that shit anymore. I'm sick and tired about speculating about what I think might kind of, kind of sort of happen. And what I notice is that when I t hear people talking about uh, those types of things and having those types of conversations, they're all just repeating the same shit that they read on Jambase and all those fucking places that write articles about fish. 
They're all just circulating this again. So there's almost like a mainstream media within the fish yeah, but see, scene. There, sometimes there's <laughs> truth to rumors. But I'm tired of that shit. Like that's a cosmic and, and you shit. and you really do kind of have to like pay attention sometimes to like no get hotels or like oh, you really okay, that, you have to like saying. be a little tuned in sometimes <laughs> like for reasons like that. All right. But other than that, I'll I give mean. You that one. But that's what I'm saying. Really, Other you're, than that, talk- you really you're talking about expectations. Yes. You're not talking about experiences and you're not talking about, I mean, it annoys you that people speculate on things, but you're talking about experiences. You're already trying to shape your experience before it's even started. Correct. That's what and I'm saying. That's, that's, that's my that's, point. That's my issue is, you know, you should just, what, what speaking to this girl at this surrender party taught to the me flow, is, yes, surrender to the flow. Just, live just in go the now. and just live in the now. Be in the moment. Exactly. Have fucking fun. See, but that's the way I've always approached this band and you make fun of me for it. Well, no, I, what I make fun <laughs> of you for is that you literally think they shit gold. Even when they, they play, shit gold. They, they could play the worst version of a like song a poop ever. In my and ears. Yeah, and you still Don't give fucking, a shit. Yeah. I'll still have a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, well, and to, to that point, <laughs> to that point, I think the blackout helped build my patience around that as well. Because there were, you know, a couple flubs here and there at uh, the New Year's run, but it wasn't it wasn't as critical to me because I was just like, damn, I'm just happy to fucking be here. It's the only show I'm going yeah, to. See, it's I funny you say that. Months. Like there are, there are shows from the New Year's run. Sorry. I do go back to and listen to it. And I'm like, man, I don't remember them fucking this up that badly when I was there. So it's like, you're high on the experience. You're high on the fucking, you're buzzing on the moments. Yeah, but you're I, not okay. like, oh, I'm going to deconstruct this. And, oh, they're doing a shitty fucking job. No, they're butchering this. You do that too. And that's why sometimes I don't like being around you at a fish show. You're <laughs> like, they're fucking this up. I'm just like, who gives a fuck? Like, who fucking cares? Hey. I've seen them play this song 800 other fucking times. Who gives a fuck? Everyone knows how it's supposed to go. Like, they'll find their way there. When the lights went down and they came out on New Year's and they played fucking uh, Martian Monster as the opening fucking song, I was just like, let's You love that song. Go. Yeah, you love that let's song. Let's fuck. We're going to rage all night. They played Fluffhead and You Enjoy Myself in the same fucking show. It was amazing. It was like, oh my God, this is so great. But again, when I look at the set list in its totality, I'm like, eh. But man, that show was great. It's it's just funny to me how on paper it doesn't even translate to me anymore. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even give a shit yeah. about checking fish.net to see what the set was for a show that I don't go to. I just yeah, don't give I mean, a fuck I mean, I do anymore. that because I like fish a lot. But it's not like because I'm going to analyze it and see what I will and will not get. It's just out of curiosity to be like, oh, I wonder what they played. <laughs> Again, it was it was pretty it was pretty great. I had a good time. I think it helped. Again, you, still like how, more than how fish, do you but. think <laughs> this is going to affect? This probably has zero effect. But are you, is this going to make you like more or less, or have any effect on your simulcasting? You're I, you're a real hater on simulcast. I'm not a hater. I just can't. It, do you it, think the living in the now and enjoying the experience is going to help you uh, enjoy simulcast more? No. <laughs> simulcast to me and we've got a pretty sick setup for the simulcast i have a projector projected on the wall it's super huge and it feels as close to yeah me there I, as you that's can. what i was gonna say especially the way we fucking simulcast we deconstructed it. my problems with simulcast episodes ago i my problem with simulcast is that the camera angles and them cutting all the time yeah, and yeah. i'm watching it visually shit on that. yeah i i just can't <laughs> enjoy it because honestly what i want 
is I just want them to set up a camera guy yeah, right you, by Corona. You want to see it the way you would see it if you were at the show. Correct. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. just leave it alone <laughs> yeah, because that's yeah. all I want to see. I don't give a shit about seeing a close-up yeah. of Mike playing the fucking bass. I don't want to see his fingers. His I don't shoes? give a you shit. You don't want to see his shoes? I don't know. I don't want to see what lipstick, color lipstick he's wearing I that do. night. I don't give a shit about watching, you know, Fishman's hi-hat bounce up and down and seeing his face through the hi-hat. I, do. I don't give a shit about any of that He always has his eyes closed squinting. But that's my problem. I get so lost in the visuals that it pulls me out of enjoying the music in the moment. And simulcast, for me, ends up being a bunch of chompers. You and J3PO, last time we watched simulcast, were talking. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm telling you guys to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny to me. Because you're both going, oh my God, I can't play the planet. But we're in our living room, so I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even at a show, it's like the, yeah, the sound yeah. is so blaring in my face that I can't. Did you read any reviews on uh, New Year's Run? I didn't read no. any reviews or I recaps have, on New Year's Until this episode is over. Oh, you're I not going to? I okay. have not read or. This, so this is something I will say on fish.net. I do like going back the day after and reading like whatever fan like comment like article they pull and like post i like genuinely like reading those because like it gives you just a little key hot keyhole view into someone's experience with a show right and they pick all different people they pick people who are like only seen like five shows they pick people whose first you know first fan show like they pick all different types of people so it's another just like fun way to like see the experience through someone else's eyes and like yeah. live in their shoes and it's really cool I, I genuinely do that and that's so that's my favorite part of going to this party and having this conversation was doing exactly what you just said trying to understand truthfully how someone else is viewing the thing that i love and yeah, trying to really it better put it trying to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes is something that all human beings struggle with so to be able to really absorb that and it's funny because watching someone who might be super crazy deep down that rabbit hole they lose the ability to be able to do that yeah because they, 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 they're, they've stopped surrendering to the flow. They, they've started to have a very specific uh, in like viewpoint and understanding. Even if they're 100% positive and they're like, I love fish, I'm just enjoying the experience or whatever. It's, it's funny when you watch a seasoned fan talk to a new one. It's, it's just the, the juxtaposition of it is just it's, yeah. it's so vast. And you're just going, sitting there going, you both love the same thing. But you can't find something to talk about because one of you, again, has so much knowledge and the other one is just trying to enjoy themselves and they can't find common ground. <laughs> but yeah, had a good time doing the blackout. I'm happy I did it. I learned a lot. Um, what did you think of the gag? I thought it was hilarious. I think watching Trey get stuck in the air and then having to rush the encore, which was great. They just didn't have to go off stage and shit. I thought that was awesome i think all the t-shirts and memes that are coming out from it are hilarious i i, I just didn't send think in the clones i thought the clones song was cool the gag was the clones not the platforms the gag was them singing send in the clones instead yeah. of singing send in the clowns yeah which is that song from fucking joker that basically is like the theme to that whole movie yeah <laughs> And then the yeah. fact that they had clones is really funny. And I love how every time they do an MSG gag, they use hands on the hard body cast and they've been working with them for a very long time. It's just a really fun, cool. It's a nod to like, again, the fact that like literally Trey knows everyone who works in Madison Square Garden, knows that theater inside and out, like knows everyone and everything about that place. Right. It's just fun. It's really fun to see them there. That's my one takeaway is I am very lucky 
a very lucky fish fan to have Madison Square Garden be like my like home like venue to see them at because I truly think and I mean Trey admitted this like serious on a serious XM like interview that at this point it means more than the Nectars like it, it, it's truly special to see them at Madison Square Garden and uh, we're very lucky that we live in New York yeah we, when we saw them. them at Baker's uh for Baker's Dozen and we were on the floor I just remember one of my some of my favorite moments was when you just stood still for a second and you could just feel all of Madison Square Garden shaking yeah man it was great <laughs> But um, it's a very special thing. We're out of time for the segment, so I'm gonna take us out on what date is this? This is New Year's, so this is the 31st, and I'm gonna play that fluffhead. So yeah, we'll see you after this short 15 minute break,
We back. Hello, listeners. <laughs> You're tuning back in to God to Brew. And if you hate fish, this is the segment for you. <laughs> Actually, if you like beer, this kind of isn't the segment for you either. But it's the first time we're having a discussion about said beverages. So You say said beverages hey, as hey, if you've said so what they are already. <laughs> the mystery of beverages. Uh, have you done any research on anything regarding this category? No. Okay. Well, can I, can I preface so it? Can I preface so the segment this way? Can I preface the segment? This I'm way? leading up to a big reveal. So oh, are you okay. going to say what it is or I'm going to say what we're talking about today? Do the reveal first and then I'll okay, say Okay. So basically this started with 2020 trends and every first episode of every year, we try to talk about beer trends that are happening. So we talked about uh, at the top of last year, 2019 trends and out of that conversation, basically this topic came about because it was so prevalent and so uh, out there and in your face and existent. And it's 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 the mo- as far as I'm concerned, it's the most visible wave of something happening that I don't think is going to go away. So we're talking about non-alcoholic beer today. Okay. We're talking about I have some non-alcoholic liquor, and then we're also going to talk <laughs> Can you about call it non-alcoholic. It liquor? is called non-alcoholic liquor. <laughs> Um, okay. Please don't start ripping into it already. Okay. I, won't, um, I, won't. I just think and it's funny. Part of this conversation was also um, low calorie and low carb beers. Oh, sweet. So, well, can but I? As far as I'm concerned, those are the three trends that I've seen so far for 2020. Okay. So, say what you're going to say. So, Super Bowl party. I've revealed it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we show up. Uh, what did we bring? Go Chiefs, by the way. Fuck you. Woo! Um, Mahomes is my homie. All right, we're here to talk about beer, not football. Yeah, I'm um, just trying to piss you off. Yeah. Um, we showed up and we brought a 12 pack of LaCroix. And I wanted to mention this. Which is just seltzer. Yeah. And I, I want to mention it because we, the comment that we got when we walked in. And someone went into the fridge, and they come into the main room where we're watching the, the game, and the, 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 this person goes, who brought the LaCroix? And you and I are like, oh, we did. And they go, oh, man, it's so nice for someone to bring something that's non-alcoholic to a Super Bowl party. And um, that comment kind of dumbfounded me. <laughs> Because I was going, oh, I didn't really think about... Was it a light bulb moment for you? Was it a epiphanous moment for you? It, well, cause like look, when we were at the beach talked... in the summer and you were like, whoa, hard seltzer is a thing because you started to see it everywhere and it's been a thing forever. But was it your epiphany moment? No, but it was definitely a moment. We've tried to do this non-alcoholic thing. I think we did it on one episode before. And my comment was, I just kept saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, that moment was like, oh, I kind of get it now. I get where she's. I get where people are coming from. Um, Particularly if you're at a party for like four hours and you want to be drinking, but you don't want to be drinking beer or liquor or something alcoholic the entire time. No, like that's crazy. I'm 35 years old. I can't be doing shit like that. Well, that's just fucking so, out of the question so for you at this point. So you got me into <laughs> Lacroix, and Lacroix started because you, you wanted to pull relentlessly back. made fun of me. Yeah, and you wanted to pull back on drinking, and Lacroix was your yes. way of doing so. Yes, there's there's a thing. I showed up at parties with a 12 pack of seltzer when people show up with 12 packs of beer, 
and I just drank seltzer the entire time. It's very uh, similar to the experience you'd have drinking a 12-pack of beer. You're standing around, you have a can in your hand, you're always cracking a can open. It's, it's very similar to drinking beer. Right. I will say it makes you piss like a motherfucker. Yeah. It makes me just Water. constantly have to piss. <laughs> like to the point the other day where I was like scared because I was like, I think I'm peeing too much. But anyway, that's what happens when you drink carbonated water or flavored water. Well, what I think is interesting about this whole 2020 trend of low-calorie, non-alcoholic beer and spirits is that I never really understood where the niche was for it. And in that moment, I got this like light bulb moment, like you're saying, into, well, even so, it was one person at a party of about 30 people. Um, So to me, it's very much still like a minority of a crowd type thing. But it was the first time ever where I actually felt good or proud about bringing something that someone could consume that wasn't Every alcohol. single time I bring a 12-pack of LaCroix, I lose about half. I was going to ask you, to how, many, how many do you actually to get the to drink? Yeah. Because people are like, oh, shit, there's something else in this fridge besides fucking beer. <laughs> so anyway, LaCroix is literally just sparkling water. And that's like, I guess, another side conversation that drives me crazy is like, I hate the fact now that like, everything is hard quote unquote and i have to like actually check labels to make sure that it's like actually not alcoholic versus like a hard version do you of think something. there should be a there's term literally for hard, hard al- water right now there's hard water there's hard seltzer there's hard this it's like yeah. i don't want to mistakenly buy a pack of seltzer or think i'm buying a pack of seltzer that has alcohol in it that should never ever happen that should be against the law it should <laughs> what if a kid, like that's crazy what if a kid and a cashier both happen to miss this? i'm sh- i'm sure on the packaging it says it has alcohol in it but again like i never want it to be a confusion for me as a consumer to not identify regular water or carbonated water versus fucking alcoholic seltzer. Do you remember when we were like I think this was college or late high school for us when um, Four Loco came out. And that was. I hate Four Loco. That was alcohol with caffeine. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> they're still making it. They're, they're Not with good, caffeine, they're, I didn't think. Uh, I think. They're they're making hard coffee now. Oh, my God. Do you know that exists? Hard coffee? So you're right. Hard, <laughs> hard is just every, every liquid that one can consume is eventually right, going to so have again, a hard version. So, again, any single time there is a trend really really ramping up and just in your face everywhere there's always going to be then the direct opposite there's always going to be the backlash to it so i feel like at this point in our society so many there are a, a ridiculous number of ways to get drunk and there are a ridiculous number of ways to consume alcohol vapor to the alcohol. extent right to <laughs> the extent vapor teenies to the extent we're like it's it's just literally everywhere i think the natural backlash is going to be non-alcoholic stuff same thing when people were coming out with like high abv porters and high abv double ipas there was a whole separate movement people are like we just want session we want like low abv we want sessionable things we want easy drinking we don't want to drink fucking 14 percent double ipas it's like not what we want so, so there's always the direct polar opposite trend happening when there's a big trend bucking like consumerism and i think the na has been building for a while and now this year i think it's here in america specifically too because the uk has been doing this for a couple years now but here in america it's really going to start to take off well you you as someone who works in the industry how many selling na's do you see you're talking about beer now just beer yeah non-alcoholic domestic non-alcoholics almost none right i only know of one and it's the one that i sell 
I'm sure there are a few others now, but domestically, one. Forever, you know, uh, Erdinger and Einbecker and uh, Heineken now even has... A, there Those are, are all imported, the, correct? Right, imports. There's always right. been imports, a variety of imports. But for the first time ever, I'm seeing domestic non-alcoholic. And I don't know if I've ever seen that before, ever. And is there... Do you, do you identify any sort of pattern amongst who is taking on that, that part of the market domestically? Is there a pattern to who's doing it? who's actually going out there and saying, you know what, we're going to make a non-alcoholic too. To my or, knowledge, or low ABV, to my knowledge, there's only one domestic brewery right now doing non-alcoholic. And that's not true because I did actually do some research way long ago. And there are other non-alcoholic breweries. There's one in Missouri. There's a couple in the United States. but right. And we live in the Northeast. As far as I'm concerned, this, the one from Connecticut that we sell is the only one that I really like know of and sell. Well, something that you <laughs> turned me on to just recently that I, I never stopped to think about it. Um, we in this, you know, living in New York City and being in the state of New York, there was this trend. I want to say it was about six, seven years ago where they had uh, passed a law stating that fast food places had to list their calorie counts. And right, right, you right. in passing, I forgot what conversation we were having. You went, you went, man, if they ever did that for beer no one would ever drink a double IPA ever again. Sure. And I, I remember being like, what are you talking about? And you go, well, there's about 500 calories in one double IPA. There can and be. Went, there can be up to 700. There can I be up like, to 1,000. I had never, ever, even as a, like a home brewer, I never stopped to think about that. Yeah. And I went, holy fucking shit. Completely changed my perspective on double IPAs. Right. So again, bringing this conversation full circle, how many double IPAs can you drink? Four, maybe. Like physically you can drink four before you puke? Black out, or, yeah. Or, yeah. See, but that's what I'm saying. Okay, so <laughs> that's A, gross. But B, like if I'll, you want to go to a party and you want to hang out and you're like, drinking is a part of our generation's culture. So the fact that there are non-alcoholic options or low-calorie, low-carb options now I think makes living your life a lot easier and a lot more fun. Well, there's also, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I, I won't say a lot of people. My personal drinking experience and how I came into beer was that I was going to these parties and I essentially was trying to get fucked up. Yeah, see, but you're talking about like a young, dumb, college but cop now, now more than ever, that's an issue. Because now more than ever, the young, dumb college kid has double, triples, quads, shit that they can get their hands yeah, on. Yeah, that's actually very true. So, I mean, I think that's always been the case. I'm, what I'm curious about is that is if low ABV and non-alcoholic on, on this new wave, if it will penetrate to those people. Like, does a college kid really want to drink six low ABV beers? Probably not. I mean... It, what's the price on a low ABV beer? Is it cheap? I would imagine college it's kids are dumb than... and they're impressionable, <laughs> and that's not the market we're talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about like living in New York City and like basically visiting like taste making restaurants and like very very high end bars, rotating beer bars that are like world famous, and those are the places I'm talking about. Taste maker places. Do you think places that are going to extend this trend because you go there and you see that there is a non-alcoholic menu, there is a non-alcoholic option. Do you think that Torst is going to take away one of their draft lines to put a non-alcoholic beer on there or low ABV beer? No, I do not think they're going to do that on a draft line, but I think that they will offer a package menu on their 
package menu. I think they'll offer a package item on their package menu. And I think that's great. And I think that's what should happen. Right. Because I've consciously made the decision to try to drink less. Now when I go out, I look at menus and the first thing I look for now is the non-alcoholic portion of their menu. Most most places, 90% of places do not have anything at all. They have a section called soft drinks and it's their own, it's their own, yeah, created sodas or whatever. And that shit's still full of fucking sugar. And that's not what I want. I just want something high and high class and elevated and beautiful that people have put thought into serve to me. That's non-alcoholic. Right. So this is kind of leading us. And I do want to talk about athletic athletics, the non-alcoholic brewery from Connecticut. We are going to talk about them. I have a sample here, but I want to talk first about C lip. It's this non-alcoholic liquor. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it is, but it is distilled. So it is a distilled spirit, (laughs) right? It's just non-alcoholic. Can it be called a spirit if it's non-alcoholic? Yes. So this, it's this distilled. is distilled. Anything that's distilled is a spirit. Got it. This goes through distillation. Well, here's the thing. I w- I'm curious now that this is becoming a trend, if there's going to be this backlash wave as you're talking about, because now that they're doing it, there's going to be this counter to where liquor companies are going to say, we need to now disassociate ourselves from what that is. So we're going to try to like coin a, t- either, either coin a term or say that they can't call them, spe- like, you, you know, the way they did with champagne. You can't call champagne champagne unless it's from France. The, the grapes are from a specific region. Yeah. Whatever. Who the fuck cares? Let's talk about Seedlip. Okay. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but that's, it's too early to speculate about that and it doesn't matter. I just really think matter. it's interesting. I, the, you know. I think the, co- the conversation about value is interesting and we should have that, but I just want to give a little, little about Seedlip right now. Okay. So I, I do want you to try it because this is a different one. You've tried the garden. They have three different flavors. I don't think you like the garden. This is the spice. I think you might actually like this. This has all spice in it. Oh, and nu- sick. And nutmeg. Oh, so I think you sick. might actually like it's it. It tastes like carrot cake. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's try a little bit. Oh, is this for me? Is this, uh, this brand is four years old. They're based out of the UK. They were from the United Kingdom. They've been in distribution in the United States for two years. This smells like fall. Right. Smells like a... Uh, like so a little bit about how mahogany. this product is created is they take naturally occurring uh, vegetables, grains, uh, not grains, roots, barks, uh, ingredients. They take all natural ingredients. So like citrus peels, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And what they do is they take, they use the example of a pea. They plant a pea, they sow it, they pick it. And then basically what they do with the pea pods is they freeze it. And there's a scientific component to it where when you freeze something, uh, an entity or a product or an organic item that once repelled water uh, changes chemically and starts to absorb it. So basically what they do is then they steep all the different ingredients, mm-hmm. actually one at a time. They fucking macerate it. They fucking distill it. They fucking blend it and they put it into a bottle and there it is. It's not cool. an alcoholic spirit. And the reason why, again, I do think this is important is because it's, a very, it's for a very specific clientele. This stuff's not cheap. This stuff's expensive. It's about a dollar an ounce discounted. Holy <laughs> so shit. It's the same, it's the wait, same, wait, wait. It's the same amount of money. discounted. Yeah. There's a quantity buy-in to this. And if you buy the biggest quantity, which is six cases of it, it comes down to a dollar an ounce. So it's as much Jesus as regular Christ. liquor. It's, you're paying for it as much as you're paying for regular liquor. This is the part of it that <laughs> I can't justify in my brain. <laughs> but this as is, the general this, dumb so consumer. This is, so this is a fun conversation <laughs> to have when you're talking to a business owner, a bar owner, 
I just want to put this out there. There is a bar in New York, in Brooklyn. I think it's called like Castaway or Getaway or something. And it's in Greenpoint and it's an all non-alcoholic bar. So they have all the same overhead, all the same costs, but everything is non-alcoholic. So the Getaway price bar, they have yeah. to charge for an NA cocktail is between $12 and $14. Oh, this place is cute. Because it's the same overhead. I want to look at their menu real quick while you're referencing it. I want to see what these prices look like. It's expensive. And again, this gets you into the conversation of value. $13 looks to be about the <laughs> average price. Right, which is the price for a normal cocktail. And cocktail, that's my yeah. point. It's all your perception of value. Oh, they have elixirs, as they call them. They're $8. Um, what did you think of this? This is the Seed Lips Spice. I haven't what tried it. I only smelled it. it. I haven't Can tried you it. try it? Let me know what you think of it. I think it tastes the way it smells. See, that's interesting to me because these are all supposed to be highly aromatic and then a lot cleaner and drier on the palate. Okay, so now you tasted the spirit. And this is what I do when I'm presenting this product to people. This spice is supposed to be used in lieu of where you would use a rum or a bourbon or a whiskey, right? Okay. This is supposed to be on the darker end of the spectrum. They have different flavors for substituting in vodka or agave or whatever. So if I was using this as a bourbon or whiskey, I would do it with ginger, right? So now I'm introducing ginger ale. That's a Brooklyn-based product, low sugar. <laughs> it's not Seagram's. That's 85 fucking sugar grams. I'm going to add a little of this. So now you're basically emulating a Jack and Ginger, right? Okay. And I want you to try it again. I just, the, I don't know if you were a little heavy-handed with my ginger. Now I just taste so ginger maybe, with a bit of spice. Okay, so maybe I, you should, the ratios are off, whatever. Yeah. But I think I can this still is taste a good it, substitute. Especially after, yeah. I think this is a really good substitute for like a Jack and Ginger. Here's where you lose me, though. <laughs> Okay. I'm not paying $13 for what you just gave me. <laughs> well, I'm I wouldn't sorry, charge I'm you sorry. $13 for what I just gave you. Is that one of the on the rocks that's the $8 ones? Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, this is the heart, again, as the general dumb consumer, I'm not walking into this bar and being like, oh, man, I just paid $13 and I'm just going to, I don't, that's the part where I get lost. There isn't a part of your, like, intrigue or your curiosity that says if I put this spirit in the hands of a bartender or a master fucking like somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody whose job this is so and then what they can do and what they can create. There's not a part of your brain that's like, wow, I want to see what they can do. What well, about making a white Russian with this? Oh, man. What about making a hot toddy with this? But you can't make a white Russian without Kahlua or vodka. So you'd have to make, you'd have to you'd use have to the NA it. spirit as the vodka, quote unquote, the garden, and then you'd have to make just like a coffee infused syrup. So and then add fucking milk and shake it up. Here's the thing, but <laughs> I have I have a friend of mine who's not so good on uh, dairy, so he started having me make milk. him almond milk, yeah, almond white milk, Russians, the and the way I make a white Russian now, I don't think I could recreate with almond milk because I slightly whip. You need the fat. I slightly whip the heavy cream so, it, you know, it frosts up almost like whipped cream for a second. You know, not anywhere close to whipped cream, but it just makes it fluffier. It just makes it smoother. I can't do that with almond milk. So, again, if you were going to make me a white Russian that was non-alcoholic, I wouldn't even I call it a white Russian cream. anymore. It's something else. It's just not the same thing anymore. Even if you tried to use, like, coffee to get at the Kahlua. I, I think I don't... you're wrong. Okay. And truthfully, I'm not saying this hurt your feelings. You don't cook and you don't know how to cook. Right. So I think Accurate. that this 
product for me is a lot more exciting and I get a lot of joy out of it and I helps me flex my creative muscle. I think the same thing happens for like master bartenders and cocktail makers that it's fun to see what you can do with this product and how elevated a cocktail you can make that's truly non-alcoholic. Yeah. That to me is fun. No, I mean I would, that's I would like go for That's like cooking an without sugar or cooking without carbs or it's it's using your creative part of your brain to figure out something and to emulate something or not even emulate something to create something completely new and cool like to just be creative with it. But here's so again another this is point the most of simple version of what Listen, you do. Listen, if you take me to a high-end bartender who's going to do something great with this and uh, I get to go and not have to pay for it, I'm going to enjoy it. Okay? I'm I'm not going <laughs> to deny that. So again, but we're getting back to the concept of value. The value always comes back to it. You don't want to have to pay for it. Cuz what I'm paying for for flavored water and I'm, I'm dumbing it down enough, and I know that pisses you off, and you're already shaking your head at me, but. First of all, this non-alcoholic spirit is not, not water. It's I, not I flavored water. I understand that. I was, I was being. B, all the ingredients and all the syrups and all the stuff, cool stuff you mix it with, costs money and takes time to develop. Right. C, you're putting it in the hands of a bartender, a.k.a. a chef. I can make a fucking plate of spaghetti at my house too, but why do I go to a fucking fancy ass Italian Michelin rated restaurant and get the same pasta? Because it's homemade it's pasta. So good, yeah. yeah, and it takes a long time to do. Yeah. Again, see now you you're now you're poo pooing on the craft of it. No, no, listen, I just said and these are that crafted. Gladly... These are crafted spirits and put in the hands of a great bartender. I guarantee you they can serve you something that you probably won't even know is not alcoholic. You're talking to like the top 1% of the market. Like when, when Bernie Sanders gets on his soapbox and talks about the 1% of people who are super rich and shit, these are the people I'm thinking who are going to these places who can afford to pay $13, $14, $15 for a non-alcoholic cocktail and, that's correct. and walk away. And, and I'm not denying that. All I'm saying is that upper echelon of people, when they go to a fancy-ass restaurant where shit already is going to cost you 80 fucking dollars a plate and i'm not drinking i go to this place i want this experience and i say i'm not drinking sir and then they fucking bring me a fucking flavored tonic with fucking fruit instead of a diet coke like most of them drink. no no i get (laughs) pissed because it doesn't equal the value and the experience and the craft that all the food equals right i shouldn't be penalized because i don't want to drink alcohol right you should have the same options. You should have the same options for me, high end, high class options for me that you do for any other guest. I agree with that. Agree and with that's that. where this stuff is coming into play. All of this. Right. It's for people that go out, go out to have a nice meal, go out to a bar and have a nice drink, have a night out who want to spend some money, but don't necessarily A, want to drink it all or B, want to drink the entire so time they're there. let me ask you there. an honest question. There was a guy today at the bar I was at drinking an athletic run wild IPA. And I was like, man. Love you. I love that you're drinking so that right now. So while we're still on the topics of, of spirits, do you ever see, even in the future as this starts to pick up as a trend, do you see this being sold in a liquor store or in you know a supermarket? People are going to be buying yes. bottles of this to yes. go home and try to make a non-alcoholic yes. spirit. Yes, I see it off-premise. I see it being, yes, I do see it being sold in liquor stores and the complete opposite, again, of the polar end of that spectrum at high-end Michelin James Beard restaurants. I do not see this falling anywhere in between. If I operate a bar, I'm not going to spend $155 on a case of non-alcoholic spirit. I'm yeah. not going to do that. A regular bar, my neighborhood bar, no one's going to do that. That's why they That's have That's the type that of person that imported. has iced tea. That's the type of person. Those are my non-alcoholic options. Right. My iced tea, my this, my that. 
Well, by I, flavored water. That's truly flavored water. But this is what I'm saying is th- these are going to be in that those higher up upper echelon accounts, right? You're going to go out. You're going to be like, oh, I had a fucking beautiful dinner at Gramercy Tavern. <laughs> they have two of these liquors on their non-alcoholic menu. And if I like it enough, I'm going to be like, holy shit, what is this? Tell me about this. Explain this to me. And because it's a hospitality account, they're going to be more than happy to explain the whole story to you. And then that consumer who wants to recreate the experience at home is going to go out and buy a bottle of this, their liquor store, and they're going to do the same thing at home. Right. Those are the All two right. groups of people that exist. Nowhere in between will this be a thing. Nowhere in between. Unless it gets cheaper. Unless this trend gets so popular, they decide to lower their cost because they're selling so much of it. Right. It's the only way it's going to happen. That I see. Like, again, if, you're, if, if they do that and it picks up and it gets cheaper, I, I think I would chime in a little more. Now moving on to something you actually care about and you can ide- sympathize with and whatever. Because you don't real. I don't think you really care about drinking fancy cocktails. That's more like my game and my jam. You like beer. So I'm presenting you now a non-alcoholic beer option. Okay. And I want you to tell me what you think about this. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I just want you to taste it blind. I'm going to give you no details. Smells like a beer. Yeah, and tell me what you think of it. Smells like a beer. Looks like a beer. The only thing you know is this is non-alcoholic. That's it. Yeah. Less than 0.5 parts per million alcohol. (laughs) Ugh. It tastes... You know what it tastes like to me? Uh... When I first started homebrewing, in the way to better understand the process, I would taste any other than like heating up water. I would taste the liquid in all of its stages. Yes. This tastes to me like when you pull from the mash tun the very first time and you carbonated it. Okay. So it's like sweet, malty, carbonated malt water. Water. Yeah. So you call this malt water? I mean, I'm, that's being a little mean. I'm sure, you know, they put craft oh, you were, into this, you were too. very candid when we were talking about the spirits. <laughs> I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> be nicer about it. This tastes like mash water. Yeah, carbonated mash water. I think this is a great uh, I take IPA this over a Diet sub- Coke. Substitute. <laughs> I think this is a really great option for somebody who wants something non-alcoholic. Because your only other options are fizzy water. Fizzy. Or Diet Coke. Fizzy. Like, I keep shitty, saying Diet yeah, Coke. Yeah, f- fizzy water. People who don't drink all fucking drink Diet Coke. And to me, it's like, yes, I would rather drink this than aspartame. I'll take this 10 times over. So you got me on that one. But then again, I sit there and I drink this and I go, if I had the option of drinking this, or a very light uh, lager, table beer, session beer, I would take it. Yeah, but that has alcohol. Correct, but I would take that before. I, I think this is very close to that. Mm, I think this hits I, the same if I cravings. Could, I think it, it squashes the same cravings. If you could make this a little drier, I think I would agree with you. It just needs, it's just a little too sweet. I really wish that I didn't tell you this is not alcoholic and I wish I could have tasted this on you, this did you blind your on fault. this. You're the one I know. <laughs> the, the way I was originally introduced to Athletic, these non-alcoholic breweries from Connecticut, is I was tasted blind on this product. I tasted this and I tasted their stout. They do a myriad of styles. They have an IPA, a gold nail, stout, an amber, et cetera, et cetera. Cerveza. Every style. <laughs> and I was tasting on them blind. And I was like, man, these beers are solid. Yeah. A little thin, a little light in body, but they're solid. What is it? <laughs> My friend came over to me, put the cans down in front of me, non-alcoholic beer. I was like, what do you mean it's non-alcoholic beer? <laughs> I was like, how can that be? How can this beer have no alcohol? Because my only other exposure to non-alcoholic beer 
has been the Erdingers and the fucking all the imported non-alcoholic beer that essentially tastes like tonic water, like carbonated tonic water. Yeah, I've never had. So see, that's the other part of this too. And They're I wish the we could do that. the first people doing I an wish... attempt at a style. Right. So I, I wish we could have tried one of those imported non-alcoholics. So I could try it next. I honestly have never had one in my mm. life. So... See, that's the difference. So again, let's revisit this. But if your only options were crap... <laughs> And then you had this next to it, and you're like, this tastes like a fucking IPA, tastes like a pale ale, tastes hoppy, it's carbonated, like, I enjoy this. You'd be like, holy shit, I didn't realize that something with flavor and, again, craftsmanship could be non-alcoholic. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm slowly wrapping my brain around What would around you pay it. for this in a bar? Uh, like, two bucks. Three bucks. First of all, in New York City, the cheapest you can find a Budweiser, a PBR, or whatever is $4, and that has 4% alcohol in it. So if this has nothing in it, again, I'm, I'm equi- I'm, I'm, I thought from my not-as-seasoned time bartending as you is one of the two things that you care about are the size of the pour and unit price based on how much ABV it is. Right, the higher end alcohol stuff gets poured into a smaller glass, and it's way more expensive. Is that generally true? Isn't that ballpark kind of true? There's exceptions to the rules, I'm sure, but that's pretty much how it works. When you're talking about value in terms of drinking, the only way to quantify value is directly correlated to the percentage of alcohol. Right. So if that some, is what value straight up equals. So you made a face at me when I said $2, but aren't I right to assume that? No. How much money do you think it costs them to make this beer? So you're forgetting about cheapest, the cost of production. My cheapest. I can't sell something for cheaper than it costs me to make it. I have to account for my ingredients costs and, and make a then profit. my profit yeah. and then the people I'm selling it to because we live in a three tier system. The distributors also have to make a profit. So now you're talking about twice marked up. Right. And then you're talking about selling to a retailer or a bar who's also going to mark it up. You're talking about three inflation right, markups. Budweiser steps. is for the consumer when they buy it in the supermarket, it comes out to a dollar a can. And that's again, four ABV. But that's when you're buying it in a, from a fucking gas station. I'm right. not talking about when you go to a bar. When I go to a fucking Madison Square Garden, a Bud Light costs me fucking 12, 20 fucking 12 dollars. Bucks, yeah. So yeah. 14 bucks. It's, it's all perception. Yeah. But the cost of making this product doesn't change. So the cheapest beer I've ever... I can't ever, sell this for less than I made it for. The cheapest beer I've ever made homebrewing was $50. And... That's crazy. Right? And it's for five gallons. Not really. It's like 50 it's, beers, it's, right? Yeah. And it's about... <laughs> a dollar a beer. Correct. And it's about... <laughs> um, I think it was like four and a half, five percent. Okay, so now think of though all the steps you took, all the time, the time. it took. No, listen, I get your it. labor. I get it. How much would it. then you try to sell that beer for? How much would you want to sell that beer for? Uh, the the quarter like the quarter keg. I want to sell it at least for a hundred bucks. No, no, per pour. What would you charge somebody uh, for a twelve ounce pour of your beer? If it uh, cost you a dollar to make. There's like fifty of them in there. Yeah, so that's like two bucks. You'd only charge them two dollars, man. I'm terrible. This is why I don't own my you own You don't brewery. understand business. This is a separate conversation, but... Listen, my, my, <laughs> my basic point is, is that if I can get a Budweiser at a dive bar My for point $4, is you shouldn't be comparing this to a Budweiser. Listen to me. That's Just my point. Just let me finish my goddamn point for once. 
If I pay $4 at a dive bar for a Budweiser, and that's a non-alcoholic option, I would expect to pay less than I'm paying for the Budweiser. So maybe $2 is a little low, but I still want to pay like 3 bucks. I do not want to pay for the same $4 that I paid for a Budweiser. Again, my value is based on ABV. If there's nothing in it, I should be paying less. A, a soda from the tap, which is full of sugar, and they'll normally fill it up for me a couple times maybe before they charge me again, is what, $1.50? Right? $1.50 for a Coke? I don't drink soda. So my point to you is, while I understand what you're saying, you have to recoup, you have to make a profit, you have to do all that, my ideology as a consumer is that I'm paying for ABV. So if there's nothing in it, I should be paying less than the lowest ABV on the menu. It's my general idea. And you're shaking your head at me, but like, I, I don't think I am that naive. Like, I don't think my, my, my thought process is that ignorant that other people are going, oh man, that dude's stupid. Like, I, I think I should be paying $5 just like I paid for a bud. But again, I'm, I'm not in the industry. You are. You sell it. I mean, you tell me. How much does this go for in a bar? First of all, you shouldn't be comparing anything to a Budweiser that's craft. That's a completely different market segment, and that's a completely different value. Completely different margins. Comparing a craft anything, even a craft non-alcoholic beverage, to a Budweiser does not compute. So I can't compare it to a Heineken, a Michelob Ultra. I can't no. compare it to any of the macros. No. No. Okay. So the cheapest this craft, is a craft beer. beer. So the cheapest craft right. beer in New York City, maybe six dollars. Six it's seven dollars on happy hour. Yeah, right. So maybe so I would argue I would you should charge the bucks. same thing for this. No, I would charge you. I would argue you should charge being the same thing for this. Oh my god! Six, See, seven this is again where you lose me on this whole trend. I am not, and maybe because it's I'm someone who does drink alcohol, I'm not going to pay the same amount. I'd rather, in that sense, drink a diet coke because I'm only going to have to pay a dollar fifty. And that's you. And that's a lot of people. I literally and truly mean this. I look forward to the day when you consume something that's a non-alcoholic product when we're out. I don't know when Because then I'm going to be able to throw it back in your face and be like, you used to make fun of me and you used to fucking tell me this is all fucking garbage. I get made fun of now because you got me on that Michelob Ultra low calorie trend if we want to talk about that for a second. And I got you on LaCroix. Everything you make fun of me for doing, you end up doing. Initially, yeah. So it's pretty funny. And then you're going to actually, again, get to my shoes and appreciate when you go out and a menu has an alcohol. I hear what you're saying, but I don't think this is one of those things that sticks for me, honestly. I don't, that's just, again, why when we talked about it the first time, I just kept saying, I don't understand why this is a thing. And the reason why is because you kept trying to sell it to me is like you're going out to the bar with your friends and everybody's drinking and you don't want to feel left out honestly truthfully psychologically to me that's fucked up that's saying like in order to it's the same example as the super bowl party no one knows someone wants to be drinking but they don't want to be drinking beer so they're happy there's Lacroix, a non-alcoholic can in their refrigerator it's the same concept right but Lacroix is what four dollars for a 12 pack yes Again, the value of it makes sense to me. And again, having flavored seltzer it has always been a thing. My mom grew up, uh, like I grew up on my mom yeah, drinking flavored seltzer. It's a water. thing. The cost of that is much lower than brewing an entire beer and making it This is why I don't think it's going to be a huge trend because you have to convince a small craft brewery to take time out of their production to make something that really at the end of the day 
might not have the return that they want. They have to take a risk on that in a way. And like you're saying, it would have to be such a good quality craft product that it's it's a hit. It's I'm not so disputing dodgy. what you're saying, and I'm not saying that I see breweries that currently make alcoholic beer making a non-alcoholic beer. That's not that will never be the case. This is a fully and totally exclusively non-alcoholic brewery. Yeah. So this leads us into our second part of the conversation. There are, however, massive breweries, legacy breweries like Firestone Walker, Sierra Nevada, and Bell's, all now making low-cal and low-carb beers. Low-cal, low-carb is something that I can fully support. I 100% support that. I drink Michelob Ultra now. Again, you got me on that trend because honestly, the more I think about it, Again, living in New York, seeing calories on a menu, you start thinking, you're like, shit, if I'm going to drink six of these to get a good buzz going to hang out and have a good time with my friends, I really don't want to have two days worth of my calorie count shot because I just drank a whole bunch of Swish, Bissell Brothers Swish, which is, again, a double IPA. I love that fucking beer, and I can drink six of them, but man, I'm never going to do that ever because I now know that it's close to... if not 500 calories a, a can. That's insane. I just won't do it. I'm like, listen, I'm actually someone who's trying to get back into shape and like lose some weight. I am not wasting my calories on this. I just won't anymore. So, it's, so how does the same ideology not apply to non-alcoholic? Because again, if you were trying to tell me like, hey, I'm a triathlete who's training right now and I can't drink, so I'm going to drink a non-alcoholic, that's one thing. Brewery's literally called athletic brewing. <laughs> Like, I don't understand how there's a disconnect between those two things. In because your brain. my problem is, is that you're saying that in order to feel like you're part of the group and to be social and accepted, you have to be drinking something that looks or tastes or simulates a beer or spirit. That's not that at all to what me I'm is saying. Like, I'm, I'm saying, saying it's nice to have an option. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying if I were that person, it would be cool that I had an option. Yeah. To me, uh, you know. I've worked with addiction treatment before. I say, like I'm not sober. People, I'm not somebody who's people sober. People who are sober nice are not supposed to like even this. be in a bar for fear of temptation and falling off the wagon. Like they're not even supposed to be in that environment. So wouldn't, isn't this cool that now if my partner was sober and I wasn't sober and I wanted to go to the bar to get a cocktail, you could come with me and get a non-alcoholic cocktail? No, because what you're telling you me is, is I have cool? to go to a non-alcoholic establishment. Not at all. And then another person has to go to a, establishment that has on-prem they they're they're two different businesses they're two different entities i don't think someone who's sober let's say i've been sober 25 years i'm not gonna tempt myself by walking into the bar with my partner even if there is a non-alcoholic option i'm like hey can we go somewhere else like that's part of the lifestyle i've lost control over my ability to consume alcohol so i just can't be around it and there are some people who can and there are yeah obviously there's a a whole spectrum of of people who have the control to do that, but why? I, I just, again, go, why? I just, I, I can't. This is something that you and I agree to disagree. It will always frustrate one of us while the other one is trying to explain it. It's just something we don't agree on. I'm sorry, I don't get it. I still don't get it. Low calorie, I get. Non-alcoholic, I don't get But I'm happy it's out there for people who need it. Are you? Yeah. I truly am. Like, like the I'm entire not... 
point I've been trying to make in this entire segment. I, and, and I haven't been trying to dispute. I'm not, I've, I've never disputed I literally that point. just said, isn't it cool that you could go to a bar if a bar has a non-alcoholic, a truly non-alcoholic option, and I can go with somebody who is sober, and I can go get a drink, and I can go with my I friend who's sober. I think you should be going to that bar with the sober person, period, is my point. I think you're stereotyping a large group of people. Okay. Maybe and again, I, I think it's I a think good option for people to actually feel included. I think there's a reason <laughs> why non-alcoholic establishments are popping up around New York City. Because when you walk into the establishment, there's no temptation on the menu, period. Everything is non-alcoholic. So I walk in. I have my good time. I socialize with the people I want to socialize with. I get my elevated craft non-alcoholic spirits and beers, and I go about my business, and that's it. And what's your point? You're not happy places like that exist? No, I just said I support that. What I don't At understand... At the same time while tearing all this down. What I don't understand is, is how uh, a bar in our neighborhood, let's pick any bar in our neighborhood where we live in Brooklyn, I'm going to walk in there and they're like, hey, here's our menu. And then again, like you're saying, a whole section of the menu is not soft drinks, but it's also like non-alcoholic. I don't... I don't and maybe it's because, again, I'm not sober. I'm not someone who's trying to n- not drink at all. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's because you live in a very small space and you aren't in the market and you aren't out at bars and you do not go out and you do not see it. I walked into a bar today and someone was drinking an athletic at the bar. Three of them. They actually had three of them. That's crazy. And it's cool that that bar offered it as a non-alcoholic option. Because the alternative to that is not having that customer at all. Yeah. And losing that $18 that you did get. Right. So again, having an all non-alcoholic establishment is crazy to me. That's crazy to me. Because again, like I said, you have this all the same overheads, operational overheads, but you have to charge money for something that has less value. Yeah. I'm simply saying it'd be cool if more bars in New York and Brooklyn and Queens and this area started incorporating one or two truly high-end, high-quality, non-alcoholic things. Because just like me walking into a fancy-ass restaurant when I'm like, I want to talk to you about your beer menu, I get an eye roll that's like, I don't really care about my beer menu. I care about wine. I care about cocktails. People who drink non-alcoholic stuff feel the same exact way. Yeah. When I go into an account, fancy account that charges a lot of money for everything, oh, can we talk to you about non-alcoholic? Oh, I have non-alcoholic. It's iced tea and it's seltzer with fucking fruit juice. Well, that makes me feel like a fucking kid. That makes me feel like a 13-year-old kid. If I'm in a fancy-ass restaurant, I deserve a fucking fancy-ass cocktail. I deserve a well-crafted, non-alcoholic beer that tastes like a beer. <laughs> Word. I hear that. Again, I'm that's, not... That's the point. And again, I will take a picture and we could post it somewhere if you fucking finally drinking one of these out in the wild. <laughs> That'll be the day that I, I get to say, I was going to say, told you I don't so, know that fucker. that's ever going to happen. So that's all I'll say about that. You know what's hilarious is Trey's sober. He's been sober for 15 years and I bet he'd appreciate all this. <laughs> but Trey also had a severe pill problem and also can't drink, can't smoke, can't do any of that shit anymore because if he does, he'll fall off the wagon. Again, we're talking about a different human, you know, a different human experience based on what happened to him. That's like I think your you're Dax, a really negative person. I'm not. That's like <laughs> Dax Shepard. Dax Shepard, who dates what's her face from the good place, has had this argument with people several times where he's like, listen, I've lost my control, 
my ability to control my consumption. So I just don't consume, period. But my wife right. is not. And that's not- one point of view. That's and, one point of view. This, but people who are sober, all people who are sober don't feel like that. I And I hear what you're saying. And again, not, I do think Trey Anastasio, who wants people to have a fucking good time and do what they want to do, would probably appreciate products like And this. I'm saying if Trey Anastasio had a choice between a LaCroix or a $13 spirit, are, I have products, a funny feeling he's going to get a LaCroix. I bet these products are going to pop up at this show soon. Okay. let's. I, I will take a picture of that and post it and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Great. Can't wait. Great. Great. What are we going out on? Uh, That's night two, your favorite <laughs> night of the New Year's run, December 29th. We're going out on Harry Hood. Second set. Yeah. I highly encourage people to go back and review this and even listen to it. It's fucking sick. Yeah, they played 2001. I'm pretty upset. Boop. All right. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Very first episode of Gadget Brew 2020. I am Melissa. And I am the kid. See you next time.